bar reminding us of the greatest choice that we could ever make in all of life. Would you join me in prayer? Father, please open up our hearts to your word. Give us teachable, humble hearts. Father, we all walk in here every Sunday. We walk in here today with different things on our hearts and minds, uh, different different struggles, different joys, uh, Father, different circumstances. But Lord, your, your word is always relevant in our lives. Father, your unchanging word is always needful in our lives. Like, God, we need it. It, it, it speaks to us, it speaks truth to us, and it speaks truth that we, we need to hear, we need to apply to our lives, Father, whether we realize it or not. So, Father, as we come to this time in our service, Father, where we open up your word, Father, please teach us, mold us into the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name that we pray, amen. Are y'all tired? You can be honest. I am. <laughs> I'm tired. Christmas has about wore me out. I'm, I'm, I'm being completely honest with you. I am so tired. Uh, but it's fun. It's a, it's a, it's a good tired. It's, I've had a good time. It's been fun. Uh, but it, it has about wore me out. And, and if we're not careful, we can get to this point in the Christmas season and kind of go, it was good, but I'm glad it's behind us. And I'm, I'm glad it's over. We start packing up the decorations, and there's kind of the sigh of relief that the celebration is over. But before we breathe that sigh of relief, before we say those words, let me ask you and me, I'm asking myself this this morning as well, is the celebration over? Is the celebration over? Maybe we could say that the seasonal celebration is over. But the celebration of Jesus is never over. Especially in the life of someone who has been saved by Jesus. Someone who is seeking to follow Jesus. Someone who has experienced the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Truly, the celebration is never over. That celebration starts the moment that we receive salvation as a free gift through faith in Jesus, that gift of grace, and it continues for the rest of our lives. And really, that celebration should only grow and grow and grow and grow. The longer that we follow Jesus, because the longer that we follow Jesus, the longer that we are living in this salvation that He has so graciously given to us, the more we should be growing in our understanding of how lost we were apart from Jesus. And the beauty of who Jesus is, the glory of who He is, things that we've been looking at this Christmas season, and growing in our understanding of what it costs Jesus to rescue us from our sin. 
and growing in our understanding of His continued presence in our lives each and every day. And that ought to make us grow in our celebration. Not let our celebration be packed up with the boxes when the seasonal celebration is over. But as we consider the gospel, primarily the cross of Jesus Christ, my prayer for me and for you is that this celebration of Jesus continues every moment of every day throughout this next year. We're looking at this passage in Colossians. We began it about a month ago. It's hard to believe it's been a month. But about a month ago, we began studying this incredible passage from the book of Colossians. We began in chapter 1, verse 13. And in verses 13 through 14, we saw that we celebrate Jesus because he is the king of light. And then in verses 15 through 17, we learn that we celebrate Jesus because he is the Lord of creation. And then in verses 18 through 20, we learn that we celebrate Jesus because he is the head of the church. And today, I want us to finish this passage, verses 21 through 23. And as we do, we're going to see that we celebrate Jesus because he is the purifier of the faithful. Jesus is the purifier of the faithful. Now, as we've said, Paul is writing to this church at Colossae. And this is a church that is facing false teaching and like all of us all the time, facing temptations to fall back into sin. And they needed to be reminded, just as we need to be reminded, of who Jesus is of what He has done, of what He is doing, of what He will do, and also of who they are in Christ. And for us today, who we are in Christ. We must be continually reminded of this. We see uh, the, the human authors of Scripture reminding us over and over, which is a reminder in itself that we need to be reminded of the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ and this Jesus who stands at the center of this gospel. And so let's read verses 21 through 23 of Colossians chapter 1. This is the word of God. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. At Christmas and throughout the year, we celebrate Jesus because he purifies us from sin through his death or by his death and through our faith in him. Two basic truths that I want us to see in this passage today. The first is this. Jesus purifies us by his death. Jesus purifies us by his death. Now, you're not going to see the word pure or purity in this passage. But I want to show you why I chose to use this word for our time together as we look at this passage today. I want you to skip on down to the end of verse 22. We find these words, in order to present you 
holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Depending on your translation, you may have a few different words there, but you should have three words that are basically synonyms. Holy and blameless and above reproach. Holy, to be separated from sin. Blameless, to have no sin. And above reproach, to be in a position where we cannot be accused of sin. Holy, blameless, and above reproach. Now, I want to start there in verse 22 and say that that's where I'm getting the word pure from. Those three words, what, what, what word can we use to summarize those? We need to be pure, holy, blameless, and above reproach. We need that. That is, that is the goal of our lives if we want eternal life with God for all of eternity. Complete and total purity in our lives. How many of you got what you want for Christmas or what you wanted? Anybody get what you wanted for Christmas? Got something you wanted? Nobody got anything you wanted. Hey, thank you. I got a hand. You got something that you wanted for Christmas. Yeah, a few people. Come on now. I got I got a couple things that I want uh, that I was wanting for Christmas. Um, how many of you got something that you need for Christmas? Uh, whoa, okay. A lot more people got things that you need. Some people got some of both. Now, which do we, well, I don't know. I guess it could, this could be different for every person. Which do we tend to get more excited about? Getting something that we wanted versus something that we need. What would you say? I got both answers. I thought I might get both answers. I think I would fall on the want side of things because it's something that you probably weren't expecting and you, and you got it. something that you need. If you hadn't got it for Christmas, you probably would have had to go and buy it anyways. So it's not quite as exciting. But maybe maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you think that something that you that you need is more exciting. I, I, I kind of think something that, that I want. But when I think about getting things that I need for Christmas, sometimes, well, sometimes it's just hard to get excited about things that you need. For instance, anybody ever received soap for Christmas? Probably, who, no, raise your hand, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand if you got it this year, all right, all right. But my guess is that a lot of you got soap or shampoo for Christmas. Now, that's the kind of gift that always makes me scratch my head when either I open it or I see somebody else open it, right? Because I always wonder, is there some kind of hidden message that's being sent with this gift? You know, like I opened up a, a bottle of shampoo and I've I can say I didn't get that for Christmas this year, but there have been times in the past where I received some soap and shampoo for Christmas. And I, and I open it up and I, and I wonder, does this person think that I really need this? Like, does this person think that I am dirty and unclean and, and I should use some soap and shampoo sometime? Or this person just couldn't think of anything else to get me, or or I don't know. But but sometimes I wonder. And then when I see someone else open up soap or shampoo, I promise I have to make myself not laugh out loud because I always want to make a smart comment and be like, I guess I guess she thought that you needed that, or I guess he thought that you really needed that. You might want to you might want to put it to use. I don't know what kind of message are you sending here. Because sometimes. Sometimes we need things in our lives and 
uh, someone else knows that we need them, but graciously, just in a kind way, wrapped up with a bow, shares with us that we need those things without saying, you're dirty and you need to take a bath and you need to use soap when you take a bath. You know, the Bible is pretty blunt with us. Scripture doesn't really wrap it up in a nice, neat bow. Scripture is very clear, very forthright. There's no hidden message when we read the Bible. From Genesis chapter 3 to the end, we see that we are a people who need to be purified. We need to be made clean over and over again. The teachings of Scripture, the examples of humans in Scripture show us very clearly that we are dirty. We are not those three words that we see there in verse 22. We are not holy. We are not blameless. We are not above reproach. We are not separated from sin. We are in sin. We we are not perfect Free from sin, we live in sin and commit sin all the time. We don't live above reproach. In other words, anyone in here could accuse me of sin. I could accuse you of sin. We could all be accused of sin. That accusation would be correct. Because the Bible clearly says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The purity of this baby in a manger. The holiness of this Christ child was very unique because no other human was holy like him. Now, here's where that leaves us. That leaves us in a predicament because we need to be purified. Only those who are presented before God as holy and blameless and above reproach are not destroyed in his presence. The only way we can survive the presence of God, and one day we will all stand before Him. The writer of Hebrews is very clear that there's a point under man wants to die and then the judgment. We will all stand before Him. And it is only those who stand before God, holy and blameless and above reproach, that will not be destroyed by Him, but rather will be welcomed by Him. But none of us are like that. And again, that leads us in a predicament. We need to be purified. But then we jump back up to verse 21 and then into verse 22. And we see that there is someone who has come to purify us. And his name is Jesus. We've been studying about him through this whole passage. We've seen that he is the king of light, that he is the Lord of creation, that he is the head of the church. And we see in this passage that he has done everything that is necessary to purify us. Notice what it says, verse 21. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Verse 21 tells us who we are apart from Jesus. Alienated. That means separated from God. Instead of being separated from sin... We are separated from God. Instead of being holy, we are dirty in our sin. 
apart from Jesus, hostile in mind. You see, it's not just the outward actions of sin that make us impure. It's not just the gossip. It's not just the harsh words spoken to someone. It's not just stealing that thing or looking lustfully on that person. It's not just those outward deeds. Those outward deeds are simply a symptom of the deeper problem of our hearts and minds. We are hostile in mind. Instead of being joined with God, we are hostile too. Instead of being friends of God, we are enemies of His in our minds. Our sin runs deep. It does. Our dirt and filth run deep. That we can do to fix that. There's no soap, no shampoo that we could come up with that we could scrub our hearts and minds and make them clean and holy before a holy and righteous God. But, but God has sent His only begotten Son so that we could be, notice verse 22, presented holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. The question then is how? How can we, who are completely dirty and filthy in our sin, go from that complete sinfulness to not just cleaned up a little bit, not just cleaned up mostly, but completely purified before God? Well, because of what Jesus did. Notice there, He has now reconciled in His body a flesh by His death. This eternal God. This uncreated Son of God, as we've talked about. Firstborn of all creation. Who by Him and through Him all things were made, became flesh. And as He was on this earth, being fully God and fully man, He laid down His life. In His body of flesh By His death. One of our goals in this passage is to be reminded of the Gospel. Can I tell you something? And beware of this in your life. Beware of this in the teaching and preaching and things that you may read in our world that claim to be Christianity, that claim to be the Gospel. Any Gospel that is not centered on on the literal death of Jesus on the cross where He laid down His life, where His blood was poured out. Any gospel that is not center on that is no gospel. The good news of the gospel is that the perfect Son of God went to the cross and died in our place. And it was a horrific death. It was a bloody death. Because the wrath of God towards sin is real and it is great. And any any gospel that seeks to minimize the death of Jesus, focusing only on his life and what a great person he was and the great miracles that he did, but in the process pushes the cross of Jesus to the back burner, is no gospel at all. 
it's very likely that the false teaching that was creeping into the church at Colossae was attempting to do just that. And Paul reminds them that Jesus went to the cross. But not only that, not only do we need to make sure that the cross is front and center in the, in the gospel that we believe, we also need to make sure that we don't add anything to that cross. Notice that Paul is shining a spotlight on the death of Jesus. It's only in his death that we are reconciled. And it's only in his death with nothing added to it. It's also very likely that the, that the false teaching that the Colossians were facing was an early form of a later false teaching which became more well known that taught that you had to have some kind of special knowledge added to what Jesus did on the cross in order to truly be saved. And, and Paul is squashing that in this simple phrase that we are reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. End of story. Everything, everything, let me say that one more time, everything that was necessary in order for you and me to go from being filthy in our sin, to being holy and blameless and above reproach before God, everything happened on the cross. We don't add anything to that. Jesus finished the work that He came to do when He died in our place. We don't add things to that. And sometimes we're tempted to do that. Sometimes we're tempted to say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but maybe I also need to do this or this or this or this. And as soon as we do that, it becomes a gospel that is no gospel at all because it's a gospel of good works, and our good works can never save us. This is why we celebrate Jesus, because he didn't just do the work partially. He did the work completely. So that all we need is Him. And we get to be made pure. We need to be purified. Jesus is the only one who can purify us. And He has done everything that is necessary for us to be purified. The most important thing that you need, the most important thing that I need in my life, in our lives, is to be made pure before God. Otherwise, we'll be rejected by him for all of eternity. And God's very clear in his word what that rejection looks like. It looks like spending eternity in a place that the Bible calls hell, where we are punished for all of eternity because of our rebellion against him, because we're hostile in our mind doing evil deeds. We will continue in our alienation for all of eternity unless, unless we are reconciled. What a beautiful word to go from being alienated from God, separated from God to reconciled to God. That's what Jesus was doing on the cross. He was moving us from hostility to reconciliation, from sinfulness to purity. Can I ask you a question? What has Jesus done in your life? Ask yourself that question. What has Jesus done in my life? 
Has he moved you from being separated from God to being reconciled to God? Has he moved you from hostility towards him to being in his family? Has he moved you from sinfulness to holiness in your life? Friend, I pray that he has. If you're looking to someone or something else to give you a right standing before God one day, you'll end up very disappointed. Because there is no one else who has reconciled us to God through His death. Only Jesus Christ. So what do I, what do I have to do? How, how do I receive this gift? If he's done all the work, then it's just automatic in my life. Just everybody gets, everybody's just automatically saved. Well, no. He's done all the work that's necessary. And so it's by grace. But the rest of the gospel is that it's through faith. You and I must place our faith in Jesus. We must trust that what he did on the cross was enough to rescue us from our sin. So Jesus purifies us by his death. And Jesus purifies us, number two, through our faith. Through our faith. Jesus purifies us through our faith. Notice verse 23. If indeed. That's how verse 23 starts. If indeed. Well, if what? You continue in the faith. So verse 21, 22. We once are alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. But then Jesus comes, he reconciles us to God in his body of flesh by his death, so through his death on the cross, in order to present us completely holy, blameless, and above reproach. That's the good news of the gospel if, indeed, you continue in the faith. Let that phrase sink in for just a moment. If you continue in the faith. Now, we don't want to get this mixed up with a works-based salvation. The Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit inspiring him, is not telling us that we will be saved. That's my summary of verse 22. Reconciled, presented as holy, blameless, and above reproach. It's not saying that we will be saved if we do a bunch of good works. If we obey Him and never mess up. If we obey Him more than we disobey Him. If we do these things. No. If we continue in the faith, if we continue trusting, trusting, believing, hoping in Jesus Christ. In other words, if we continue believing the gospel, which is how he continues. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. We are to stand Firm in the gospel, not just one day, not just the day that you trusted in Jesus as your savior, but Christian every single day we continue in the faith. We wake up in the morning and we trust that Jesus has done all that is necessary to rescue us from our sin. And on those days where I find myself discouraged by my own shortcomings, I'm reminded by the gospel that he has done everything that is necessary to purify me, to present me as holy and blameless before him. And on those days where I'm tempted to look at the good things that I've done and say, wow, 
I must have impressed God today. The gospel reminds me that I haven't impressed him, that he is only impressed by the work of his son on the cross. So whether I am discouraged by my own sin or whether I am tempted to be prideful by my own works that I consider good works and maybe God does and maybe he doesn't, depends on how arrogantly I, I did them. But wherever I'm tempted to be in that, on that spectrum, the gospel reminds me that it is only by his grace through faith in him that I will one day be presented to God as holy, and blameless, and above reproach. See, the gospel protects us. It protects us from arrogance. And it protects us from discouragement. It reminds us that as I continue in the faith, standing firm on the gospel, I know without a shadow of a doubt that one day I will stand before God holy and blameless and above reproach. And because of that, I will be welcomed into his family for all of eternity. Why would Paul need to remind them to stand firm? Why would we need to be reminded to stand firm? Stable, not shifting. Stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope. You don't need to be reminded to stand firm when the weather is always nice and peaceful. When things are always perfect. You need to be reminded to stand firm when the wind and the waves crash against you. And we live in a world, you and I live in a world, we will face a world in 2019 that is full of wind and waves crashing against our hearts and our souls. I was reminded, even even over this past week and month and a long time as we have all this rain and just keeps coming and coming and coming, which I'm thankful for the rain. But Caitlin and I were driving somewhere the other day and um, over in Georgia as that big rainstorm came through and, and just the creeks, I mean, were just overflowing, running as far through the woods as you could see. We, we came up on some, on some uh, a construction crew, a road crew there, and uh, as we drove past, I realized, I told Caitlin, I said, they're looking at this culvert pipe going under the road because it's probably about to wash out. Because that water was almost up to the road. There was, a, there was a pipe going underneath and it's just rushing and pushing against it. That's how our lives are. That's how the lives of the Colossians were. They had temptations coming at them constantly to not live pure and holy lives and to, and to believe false teaching. And so they needed to be reminded to stand firm in this gospel. And we need to be reminded today, for this coming year, to stand firm in the gospel no matter what comes our way. No matter what temptations come, where we say, ah, I don't think it's worth seeking to put away sin in my life in this area. It's just too hard. I'll just, I'll just give in in this one area of my life. I'll try to live pure and holy in all these other areas of my life. But this one area, I just, it's just too much work. You know what the gospel reminds us of? That Jesus came and died not to make us almost holy, almost blameless, and almost above reproach, but to make us holy and blameless and above reproach. So that when I see any area of my life that is not pleasing to the Lord, 
I want to hate it the same way that God hates it. And I want to lean into Jesus, trusting what He did on the cross to help me put that sin away in my life. Whenever I'm tempted with a false teaching, say, you know what, some of these teachings of Scripture are a little too hard to believe. You know, they're not very popular in our society today. I think I'll just ignore those teachings and go along with what's a little bit more popular, popular, a little more easy to stomach. When I'm tempted to do that, Scripture says stand firm in the gospel as these waves of temptation, as these winds of false teaching come and blow against the house that God is building. In our lives, we must stand firm. This isn't some some theoretical storm that Paul is talking about. He's very specific over in chapter 2, verse 6. He says, therefore, you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. So walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Why? Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elementary, elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. There was real false teaching that they were facing. There were real storms in their lives. And His call to us, God's call to us today, is to stand firm in the Gospel. We need to be reminded to continue in the faith. How do we continue in the faith? How do we do that? Maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, I want to do that. The 2019, I want to continue in the faith. I want to remain steadfast. I, want, I, want to, I don't want to be shifting. I don't, I don't want this house built on the sands. I want to be firmly planted on Jesus Christ. And I don't want to waver from the truth of the gospel one bit. How do I do that? Can I just offer just a few practical ways? We could spend a lot of time talking about these, but I'm just going to give them to you quickly. Stay in the Word of God. Stay in the Word of God in this coming year. Both personally in your own times with the Lord, read His Word, read it, study it, memorize it. Together, when there's times of of corporate teaching and preaching and Bible study, stay in the Word of God. Stay in the Word of God and you'll stand firm on the Gospel. Secondly, stay in conversation with God. Stay in conversation with God. Don't neglect prayer. Be disciplined in your prayer life in this coming year. It's difficult It's difficult to remain steadfast when we forget about prayer. When we stop talking with God. When we stop thanking Him for the Gospel. And when we stop asking Him for help to stand firm amidst the storms of life. Stay in the Word of God. Stay in conversation with God. And third, stay with the people of God. Stay with the people of God. Paul is writing to a church. Churches were important a couple thousand years ago. They're important today. We saw last week that Jesus is the head of the church. God has called us to stand firm 
together. Not by yourself. You want to set yourself up for failure when it comes to continuing in the faith? Separate yourself from the people of God. You want to set yourself up to standing firm in the faith? Stay with the people of God. Be involved in church. Encourage one another. Study His Word together. Pray together. Stay with the people of God. And finally, stay in the work of God. Stay in the work of God. You want to stand firm this coming year? I do. Then be obedient to what He's called us to do. That's what we have to do. He's called us to share the gospel with people, share the gospel with people. He's called, to be, called us to be generous with what He's given us and be generous with what He's given you. He's called us to act with love and kindness and compassion towards those in our lives, even towards our enemies. Then we do that with joyful hearts. We participate in the work that He's called us to do, shining the light of Christ. We stay in the Word of God. We stay in conversation with God. We stay with the people of God. And we stay in the work of God. And as we do that, I think we will find ourselves continuing in the faith, not shifting from the hope of the Gospel. The Gospel is the good news of salvation by grace through faith. And this Gospel, when received, it changes us. And it keeps changing us as we stand firm upon the foundation of Jesus and His finished work on the cross. When the seasonal celebration is over, should we stop celebrating? No. How could we stop celebrating a Gospel like this? How could we stop celebrating a Jesus who died to give us the thing that we need most. A pure heart. And a pure life. For God. Every day of our lives as Christians is to be a celebration of who Jesus is. And I hope that we've grown in our understanding of who Jesus is through our Celebrate Jesus series as we've looked at this incredible passage in Colossians. Every day is to be a celebration not only of who Jesus is, but of what He's done in our lives, what He's doing in our lives, making us more and more like Himself, and what He's going to do. One day, present us before the Father. as holy and blameless and pure. He has purified us. He is purifying us. And He will one day present us as completely pure. I think the best way that we can continue to celebrate Jesus is by pursuing this purity as we lean into Jesus more and more each day, standing firm in His finished work on the cross to purify us and letting that finished work, that beautiful gospel, compel us towards holy living in our lives. People will be able to see whether or not we're standing firm in the gospel. Because they'll see us, our lives, looking very different from the world around us. He came to make us pure. He is making us pure. The world needs to see the people of God live pure lives, not because they're trying to earn salvation, 
but because God has so graciously, so beautifully saved us. He gives that salvation to us as a free gift. Here's my encouragement for us, church. As the box is closed, as the lights come down, let's not let the celebration of Jesus end. The lights may no longer be on the tree. The light of Christ should continue shining forth brightly in our hearts and lives. The gifts under the tree may all be unwrapped, but the gift of salvation continues to work itself out in us each and every day. What will you do this coming year? Will you continue to celebrate Jesus for who He is and what He has done? I pray that we together will. Father, we come before You. And Lord, even as we look at this passage and even as I think about my life, I realize that so often my life is not a celebration of Jesus. Father, because I harbor sin in my heart, Father, because I forget about the price that Jesus paid on the cross. Father, because sometimes I am arrogant in the good works that I do. Father, sometimes because I get so wrapped up in in life on this earth that I lose sight of what you are preparing me for. Father, sometimes my life is not a celebration because a celebration of Jesus because I practice cheap grace. And I think that you came and sent your son simply to give me a ticket to heaven. And I forget to think about the fact that Jesus came to make me holy right now in my life. Father, I know those things are true of me. and Father, they're probably true of a lot of us. So Lord, we come before you together right now and we ask by your grace that you would help us in the coming year continue celebrating Jesus by remaining steadfast in the faith. Not shifting Though the wind and the waves may come, and they will, Father. And in the midst, help us stand firm in the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Father, may the light of Christ shine forth from our lives each and every day. Father, thank you for reconciling us. Thank you for purifying us. Forgive us, Lord, for forgetting. Help us to remember and help us to celebrate Jesus. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.